temple says, do ye not know that ye are the temples of the Most High God? He doesn't dwell in buildings made by man. He chooses to dwell in man, which he built and he made. Amen? Um, so if you are visiting, uh, we have what we call a connection card up front. We have some brochures, some literature. If, um, I think we have a, a, a greeting bag. So, so uh, we just want to extend a warm, warm welcome to you uh, for worshiping with us this morning. Amen. Can we welcome? In ways of announcements, um, just, just as a um, point of information, uh, Tuesday nights we always have our, our, um, we have our worship team practice. If anybody is inclined musically, if uh, you play an instrument, if you sing, if God is um, kind of, you know, maybe, maybe thinking about being a part of the worship team, being part of ministry in music, I would encourage you to please speak with Oscar who's our, our worship leader, and Oscar. <laughs> um, and, and so uh, we normally have our uh, worship team practice on Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights we also have a connect group, uh, small groups where, where we really uh, are, are able to intimately get to know one another, put some real issues on the table, and seek out biblical counsel in regards to what God says, how to address certain things in our lives. Amen? Thursday night. We have here a systematic Bible study where we go from chapter 1, verse 1, and we just begin to go through the Bible, dissecting it and applying correct hermeneutical principles in regards to how to interpret the Bible. So there's a scientific approach in regards to asking ourselves who, what, when, where, why, how. And um, it, it can't mean something today that it didn't mean to the original readers we have to look at the Bible and understand what did the original readers understand. And it, through that perspective, then learn how to apply it into our daily lives today. Amen? And so uh, correct teaching and proper teaching is, is so important um, in, in our relationship with the Lord and how we understand Him. Um, Friday night, we have our youth outreach. If anybody feels like, hey... I'd like to maybe get involved with the youth. Um, I have a heart for them. I get along with them, what have you. Please come and see me. Uh, we have a great, great uh, youth outreach uh, this past Friday. Um, it was an awesome group. We were probably maybe 25, 30 deep with the kids. Um, and after our group of service, we went over for ice cream over at the Beach Shopping Center or Froggy. Who knows Froggy Ice Cream? Y'all know Froggy Ice Cream? You know that's a Christian company? Yeah. You know what Frog stands for? Fully rely on God. Frog. It's a Christian company. And, and um, so how awesome was that? I was, man, I was glad to bring 30 kids over there on Friday. <laughs> and uh, Saturday morning, men's fellowship. Um, iron sharpens iron. Um, it's amazing when you get about 30, 40, 50 guys, men, that will come from all walks of life, from all age ranges. I mean, from, from late teens right up into... Jim Armstrong's what, like 89, 87? Um, and, and so when you could get these men from all walks of life, all of these age range, but that love the Lord and come together and seek out, you know, uh, um, biblical principles um, is amazing. So Saturday morning is great, and obviously Sunday morning, 10 a.m., right here, uh, family worship service. Amen? So that's what's going on during the week. Um, 
Holy Thursday. I was looking for my calendar. No, I was looking for my calendar. My phone's over there. Um, <laughs> uh, 16th is uh, Easter, Easter Sunday, right? April 16th, right? Am I right? And so the Thursday be- before that is the 13th, Holy Thursday. We normally have Bible study here. Uh, what we're going to do is we're actually going to have service. We're going to have a Holy Thursday service and we're gonna we're gonna partake in communion together. Um, I I feel led to minister on on the Last Supper and those moments leading up to Calvary. Um, so Thursday night, rather than having our Bible study, we're gonna set up for service and and we're gonna have a communion a special communion service um, in reflection uh, to 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 what Jesus is is about to endure for our sake. Amen. And then obviously then uh, that'll be a celebratory then Easter Sunday. Um, so right here at the Peak Community Church, a lot, a lot of things going on. Amen? Uh, am I missing anything? Uh, 7 p.m. Thursday, 7 p.m. Uh, so rather than having our, our Bibles, we'll, we'll be set up for, for service. We're good, Oscar? Yeah? Okay. Anybody have any questions? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. We keep it real long, real familiar here at the peak. <laughs> last week, last week, um, the Lord gave me a word. Uh, that, What's it to you? That was the title of the message. What's it to you? And uh, what's it to you when God calls a man into the work of the ministry? Who are you to turn around and say, God, you can't use him or he's done too much bad or he's got too much history. If God calls and commissions someone into the work of the ministry and gifts them in evangelism don't desire evangelism understand and say all right god what is it that you're calling me to do and if he calls you to be an intercessor who are you to turn around and argue with god so it was a message really dealing with god's call on man but more importantly and more specifically when that man is you what's it to you God has the right. He is the author of life. Amen? If you missed that message, it is available on podcasts. So if you have uh, iTunes or Google Play, um, you can easily just you know, look up the Peak Community Church. All of our messages are available. Um, uh, for, you, know, you don't even have to download it. You can listen to it for free right, right, right through your iTunes or your Google Play. Amen? So continuing on the series of Lenten reflection and repentance we're in a season of reflection and repentance and it's almost a season of following jesus as the disciples followed jesus up to the cross amen so so what does it mean to follow something what does it mean to follow someone what are some of the things that we follow automatically and not even realize it Here's an intro, uh, uh, an introduction video into today's message. Hope you enjoy it. Upset, curious, distracted, and fixated, like an accident on the side of the.
We are obsessed, curious, distracted, and fixated. Like an accident on the side of the road, we can't look away. Something, someone has our attention. We are followers, we are all following something. Sports teams, political candidates, natural disasters, breaking news, financial markets, technology trends, famous people. The list never ends. What is your curious obsession? Who or what are you following? Is Jesus on your list? Does he turn in and out of your thoughts? See a consideration of who you are and what you do. He should let your heart catch fire with what it means to be a Jesus father. Your life will never be the same. To be a follower of Jesus. Some of the things that I always want to ask myself whenever an offer is made. What's my commitment level? Hmm? How much is this going to cost? What's the price? There's always a price. Whenever an invitation is extended, there's always some sort of a commitment level that needs to be addressed. Amen? And so today, we're going we're gonna to look at what the price, what the cost of discipleship is. It's kind of a heavy message because nobody ever really wants to, you know, you start thinking about cost, you start looking at price, and you think about your checkbook, and you think about your, you, think about, you know, your time, right? Time, what a commodity, in today's day and age where, where technology is all around us and, and we've got calendars that, I mean, up to the minute, sometimes I look on my phone and, and, and people are trying to, to, you know, well, when are you, I'm almost like already uh, uh, two weeks out in regards to scheduling appointments and planning things out. And um, I had one brother who, who wanted me to go and, and do a house blessing. I love I love doing house home blessings, you know, the house cleansing and anointing the door frames and, and windows with, with oil and, and blessing a house, man. We should all be living in blessed houses. And, and I'd be love the opportunity to go out and, and do that. <laughs> he kind of he laughed. He was like, man, you know, you're so busy. And so I pull out my phone and I'm, I'm going through and, and I'm saying, all right, so yeah, it's Saturday. Let's do it on Saturday. And so he looks on the phone and he sees like about four appointments before him, about three appointments after him. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. This is the one I look forward to. Come on. We're going to go bless this house. Go bless this house. Time is a commodity. What's the cost? What's God asking you to do? What's God asking you to do? And what is he offering you in return? Amen? We're going to pick it up in the gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. If you have your scriptures, I you know, uh, 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 recommend for you to open it up to there. Um, if you don't, uh, you got a tablet and version uh, Bible on your phone. Um, here's... Here's a passage of scripture that's, um, that's heavy. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples as to what the cost is. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. 
And the word of God is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, (laughs) this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him or with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Lord, Heavenly Father, we humbly bow our heads, but most importantly, God, we bow our hearts before you. We ask, O Lord, Father God, for the unction of your Holy Spirit to make plain and clear, to illuminate your scriptures unto us. This is your word. It is life. And we pray right now, Father God, that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears to receive and understand, O God. Open up our hearts that the seed of your word can be implanted within us, O Father God, bringing forth a harvest in its due season. I thank you, God, for your living word. I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. And this opportunity this day, O Father God, to seek out your face, your purpose, and your will in and through Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, George Gallup, he's a, he's a pollster. You know, those guys that does polls, they, they interview people. And, and he contends that fewer than, check this out, 10%, fewer than 10% of evangelical Christians could actually be called deeply committed. Out of all of the Christians, evangelical Christians that go to church on Sunday, he's saying that amongst all of that number, there's about 10% that are truly deeply committed Christians. I don't really know how you can, you know, uh, um, make, a, make a poll that way, you know. Um, but, but it's interesting and it's, and it's also concerning. It's alarming. Most of those who profess Christianity don't know the basic tenets of their faith. They just don't know it. If they were to be asked, you know, what what does salvation really mean? What is repentance? Jesus, was he, is he God? Is he man? What was it that he did? Basic tenets of our faith that aren't able to be articulated by professing Christians. Christians that say they're Christians, 
but yet you'll never be able to tell it because of their lifestyle. There's no change in how they act because of their Christian experience. And so then we would have to question what their experience actually was. George Barna found that 46% of evangelicals read their Bible only once a week, if at all. More than 50% of Christians don't read their Bible. If they read it, probably maybe just once a week. It's interesting because salvation is free. Salvation is freely given unto us. But in today's text, we understand that there is a cost. And so now we're coming to what's called a theological paradox. How can something that is free actually then cost me something? To truly follow Jesus Christ, we must consider this cost. We must be in a place of putting him above everything else. There is a uh, famous uh, German theologian. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he was quoted for writing a verse that says, Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Jesus Christ freely offers the water of life to everyone who thirsts. But we need to understand that when we receive this offer, we are no longer ourselves and that we've been purchased at a price. I believe that this Western culture, you know, is so comfortable. What don't we have? Even, even people that live within the lines of poverty have access to things that people would never have access to in third world countries. Oftentimes we take it so for granted, the things that we have. I mean, shoes. I, I sometimes listen. To, uh, we have a gentleman that comes to our, our men's uh, ministry, and he was born in Africa. He didn't own a pair of shoes until he was 16 years old. I mean, running around in the dirt, barefooted, uh, you know, living in, 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 in shacks and tents. This is, this is how he came up. And he came into this country, and it, in eight years of him coming into this country as a black African man, he purchased his home. Where's the disconnect from those that are born right here and have every privilege and, and, and every luxury almost granted to them. We've got we, to put things into their perspective. And, and, and evangelical methods today. I have to question because they're so big on emotions. Pulling the emotional strings and, and, and very little reasoning. We have what I would like to dub stadium-style salvation, right? Huh? We, we, we have these meetings, what, what used to be the old tent meetings, now we do it in stadiums, and we, and we pack as many people as we can into these stadiums, and, 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 and we bring up these uh, celebrities, athletes, and movie stars that tell you, you know, how their lives have been changed because of Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden you get a charismatic preacher to come up and, and woo you with his words, and, and emotionally bring you onto the uh, strings of your, of your soul. 
An invitation is given. The worship team comes up and puts on this beautiful music. And they've got counselors that are primed. They're ready. They're sitting amongst you. And once that invitation is given and once that music starts, they automatically stand up. So that then the people that are around them that feel this emotional tie and, and, and see that there are people moving forward make a decision at that moment for Jesus Christ. Because it feels right. I'd like to think of those churches being a mile wide and only an inch deep because they have a lot of the feelings and the emotions but they lack the substance to carry you through when the storms of life approach. And so it's the moment when the crisis hits, right? Come on, you don't, you don't get the olive out of the, you, you don't get the olive oil out of the olive until the olive is pressed. And there's a pressing and a crushing that we got to go through. And it is our ability to sustain and stay steadfast in the word of God that then allows that oil to run out. And when we come out of it, it's that pure olive oil. It's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. That's the message of the gospel. So, So when you see all of these people rushing to the stage making a decision for Christ, and they speak with a counselor, the question has to be asked. Did the person really get saved? Is it repeating a certain amount of words, what, what, what many would call the sinner's prayer? For those of you who've been coming here and, 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 and who are part of the Peak family, um, sure, there's an altar call. I always give somewhat of an altar call, but I almost purposefully stay away from that sinner's prayer because without godly sorrow and without repentance there is no salvation if the person does not recognize themselves as as desperately wicked above all things the bible says the heart is if you don't see yourself as a sinner in need of a savior then there is no salvation so salvation must come, but it comes at a price. It comes at a cost. Oh, I know this is probably not a popular message for the masses. But I believe that God isn't calling us to be a church as regular. This isn't a mainstream, you know, a, a call. The substance must be there that we may carry out the message, not just in words, but, but in the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit that a transformed life can be what gives the gospel message its credibility. Sure, I love those, those, those awesome testimonies of, of, of the healings in the body. And two weeks ago with, with, with two herniated discs and a bulging disc. And, and I couldn't move for two weeks. And it, it was a prayer. A prayer that allowed me to cut back up on my feet. As a recipient of that, can we carry that message out? And speak it with confidence. Today, Jesus says to the crowds, as he's saying it to us, are you interested enough to go along with me, to follow me? Consider the cost. Verse 26. In the passage of Scripture that we laid out this morning, Jesus points out three, 
Three prices that need to be paid. Three prices. Three costs of following him. And in verse 26, he gives us the first one. We must hate our families, even ourselves. Hold on, wait, hold on a second there, preacher man. Doesn't the Bible say that you're supposed to honor your mother and your father? Doesn't the Bible say that, 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 that we're supposed to provide for our children? How can, how can it say in one verse that, that we're supposed to honor and then in another passage of Scripture say that we're supposed to hate? And so therefore we come up to these places of Scripture and most people because of ignorance, the Bible says, my people suffer. My people suffer. Is this a biblical contradiction? Doesn't this sound harsh and mean-spirited? Consider the context. In Jewish literature or in literature um, as a whole, this, this passage of Scripture is called or what's known as a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to bring forth an illustration, to drive a point home. And what Jesus is really saying there that we've got to be able to put him above anybody else in our lives. To hate one family is not a command. I repeat that. To hate one's family is not a command. But it is an illustration as to how we are to subject and subordinate all earthly relationships to the loyalty to Jesus Christ. He is the giver of life and life eternal. Jesus must be preeminent over all of life, especially our own. We sang a song this morning, and it's your breath in our lungs. When God formed Adam, he formed him from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says that he breathed his Ruach Kadosh, his Holy Spirit. He breathed his spirit into man and man became a living being. We would not have life if God was not breathing life into our lungs. How appropriate is it that we would just take that breath that he gives us and give it back to him in a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for life given. Every breath I draw, Father God, is a gift from you. And Lord, Father God, as I exhale it, let it be, oh God, in an act of worship to you. Let me speak life unto my friends. Let me sing songs of worship and appreciation for what you've given me, God. breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you and you alone verse 27 gives us the second cost the second cost that we must carry our own cross <laughs> now i know that you know in today's day and age because we live in such a a, a culture and, and a civilization of, 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 of such comfort and, 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 and <laughs> accessorizing and, you know, crosses become what? Piece of jewelry. 
It becomes, you know, some ink on my skin. It's a tattoo. It's, a, it, it's an image upon my shirt, my T-shirt. You know, we, we bear and show and present the cross. But the cross isn't a symbol of irritation. It's not a symbol of, of, of inconvenience. The cross is an implement of slow and torturous death. It is the death penalty carried out by the Roman institution. Could you imagine if we walked around with electric chairs around our necks? Injection needles from the death penalty? How's how's that as a symbol of my dress, how I look and present? Yeah, this is... This is a message that I want to give forth. The cross is so much more than an accessory, than a fashion statement. The cross was where Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. And what he's saying is that a disciple must choose to daily die to self. That we must take up this cross, this instrument of death and recognize who hung on it and that we ourselves would understand and recognize it is no longer I who live but because of the price that was paid it's he now who lives in me so I may have every desire to go in one direction but if the Holy Spirit turns around and gives me a conviction will I be a man of obedience would I, would I surrender my personal will and the things that I want to do and give him the presence and the preference? I think one of the hardest things, was, actually, no, it wasn't even difficult. At the time, it was probably an easy thing for me to do. But, I mean, God had to bring me to that place of resigning and walking away from a career job where, where you know, uh, awesome salary, bonuses and commissions. I'm, I'm running 15 men out on the field. Uh, uh, um, I've got three or four office workers that, underneath me. And, and, and here I am. I'm, I'm doing so well for my family. I'm, I'm finally, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Thought I, <laughs> I heard that laugh. And to walk in obedience and, and, and hand in a letter of resignation, not having another job lined up, not having a safety net, but truly just believing in God and knowing that he's calling me into full-time ministry. And it was just that, that moment in time to surrender, to surrender our very being unto him, to die to self. This is what he's talking about in regards to daily taking up our cross and following him. This day, when we got up, did we surrender this day to him? Lord, this is your day. Set up the divine appointments. Orchestrate my steps, Lord. The things that you would want me to do this day, Lord Father God, give me the opportunity. As I step out, Lord God, your will be done, not mine. Huh? That's, that's the cost of discipleship, family. We must be willing to endure the suffering, even to the place of martyrdom. If we're ever given 
out of a rule of a dictatorship or a government denied Jesus and live? Are we in a relationship with him? Do we know him so intimately and trust him so deeply for our eternal life that we can honestly say, I fear him who can destroy the body and the soul. I don't, I don't fear the one who could destroy the body. The body's going to be destroyed anyway. We already got one foot in the grave. It was, it was meant to die. We've got we've to shed this carnality. But when you're in relationship with Jesus and you have that confidence that you know that you know that you know in, the, in your nowhere, in your internal being, that you're saved. Death no longer has a grip on us. That is true deliverance, family. Huh? We don't fear the grave. We don't feel it. Why? Jesus solved the riddle of the grave. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? No longer does it hold. We must carry our cross. We must hate ourselves and our families. We must carry our own cross and the third cost. We must give up all of our possessions. We must be willing to surrender and give up all of our possessions. And that's kind of difficult, isn't it? We live in a society that, you know, it's, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My middle name is Jimmy. It's, we want the handouts, we want the things, and, and so we define ourselves by what we have in our homes, by the, the label that's on our jeans, by the things that we eat and the cars that we drive. But look at it in light of eternity. How much of it will stand the test of time? So the question is, does, does God want us to live in a, a life of abandonment, a life of poverty, to be able to give everything off like Mother Teresa did? Or, or to live as the monks out in, 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 in Tibet and give everything and hold and own nothing? That's not what Jesus is asking. Not at all. In fact... In order for him to impact the kingdom and to transform and expand the message of his gospel, he needs you and he needs your resources in order to be able to accomplish it. And when we as a body of believers come together and join ourselves, we're able to do more together than we can ever do alone. I like the way um, Juan Carlos Ortiz <laughs> she said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's terrible, man. Juan Carlos Ortiz. Él lo dijo en esta manera. The story of the pearl of great price. A man sees this pearl and says to the merchant, I want this pearl. How much is it? The seller says, oh, it's very expensive. Well, well how much? A lot. Well, do you, do, do you think I can buy it, the man asks? Oh, yeah, of course you could buy it. Anyone can buy it. But I thought, I thought you said it was very expensive. I did. Well, how much? It's going to cost you everything you have, says the seller. All right, I'll buy it. 
Okay, what do you have? Well, I have $10,000 in the bank. Good, $10,000. What else? That's all I have. Nothing more? Well, I have a few dollars in my pocket. How much? Well, let's see. I got uh, about 100 bucks. That's mine too, says the seller. What else do you have? That's all, nothing else. The merchant asks, where do you live? The seller asks, in my house. I own a home. Oh, you, wrote, you own a home. Okay, he writes that down. It's mine. Where do you expect me to sleep? Uh, in my camper? Oh, you have a camper, do you? Well, that too. Well, what else? Am I supposed to sleep in my car? Oh, you have a car? Yeah, I got two of them. Huh? Both of them. They're mine. Look, you've taken my money, my house, my camper, my cars. Where's my family going to live? So you got a family. Yeah, I got a wife and three kids. <laughs> They're mine too. Look, you've taken my money, my house, my camper, my family. The seller suddenly exclaims, oh, I almost forgot one other thing. You, yourself, that's mine also. Then he goes on. Now listen, listen to this. I will allow you to use all these things for the time being but don't forget that they're all mine just as you are and whenever i need of them you must give them up because i am now the owner that's what jesus means when he says that we must give up all our possessions in order to be his disciples he isn't just lord of the tenth come on he's not just the lord of the tenth He's got to be the Lord of all. If you've lived a fairly righteous life, sometimes, you know, you, there, there are some people that do pretty good on their own, right? Oh, no, they won't steal. They don't curse. They, they live lives out. But they're still sinners. For some of us that, that know where we would be if it not be for Jesus, hey, Left to my own devices, every time I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I, I know where it led me. So it's a matter of coming to that place where, Lord God, I truly surrender. Let your will be done. And, and when we walk in obedience and in conviction to his word, then he begins to establish our steps. And he begins to guide us with the purpose of what he created us for. Each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. A set DNA. Not, not any of us is, is the same. Some people can speak better than others. Some people can sing better than others. Some people can do. You've got your alpha males. You've got your introverts. You've got your extroverts. Everyone is designed differently, specifically, with an intent in mind. It's our jobs to take a step back and say, all right, Lord, you created me. You paid the price for me. You own me. God, use me. Use me, Lord. We're just stewards of what God gives us. Of course, in return, what do, what do we gain? Huh? It seems a lot to give, doesn't it? Isn't the price of discipleship expensive? But he promises us eternal life. 
He gives us the desires of our hearts even while we're here. As, our, as stewards and managers of his possessions, show yourself faithful in the little things. Huh? If, if, if you could show yourself faithful in, in these small little areas on your life here, and as you show yourself faithful, and as I know I can trust you, I will release more and more and more. But it's a, it's a life of faith. It's a, it's a life of action and surrender. It's a life of obedience. And in that obedience, he says, my promises are with you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I've never seen the children of the righteous begging for bread. Huh? huh? Everything that you can ever think and or imagine, I will pour out blessings from heaven that you can't even contain. My thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And the things that you plan for yourself, oh, to my name. If you would surrender and release it, I've got something better and greater. I'm going to take you to places that you never even imagined. But we've got to surrender it and allow him to move and trust that he's got a better plan for us than our own. Come to a place that even, even as, as things are stripped away from our lives, whether it's relationship or whether it's material, Lord, Father, God, it doesn't matter. If I don't have it right now, it's because according to you, I don't need it. And the moment that I need it, you're going to provide it because you're my substance. So if I have to endure this season without it, oh, Father God, blessed be your name because you're the God that giveth and you're the God that taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of my own feelings and emotions. Paul said I'm being poured out even as a drink offering for you. Oh, God, that we could come to a place to be a drink offering for those that are around us, for our families and our co-workers and our neighbors. Oh, Lord God, that we could be a drink offering even for peak skill, Lord. Use us, we pray. As we sit down this morning and determine if we're willing to really follow Jesus as Lord of everything, from our families to our possessions to our very own lives. Careful, careful consideration must be given. Family. As a builder who builds a tower or builds a house, he's got to first develop a budget. I've got X amount of dollars. What's it going to cost? I got to lay down a foundation. I got to get some framers in. I've got to put the underlayment. I got to get the plumbers and the electricians and the finishers. I got to think about the lock sets and I've got to think about uh, the trim. All of these things. How much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Do I have enough? It's careful considerations must be given. Or as the king who's about to wage war. Do I have enough men in order to battle? I've got to think about the geography, topography. Where are we going to get water? Where's a place that we can flank them in? How can we surround them? How many men do we have? What's our vantage point? You don't just go into war. You've got to step back and 
strategizing. There's a cost to following Jesus. Let us give a careful consideration, family. My question is, is this the first time you're hearing this call? Are you feeling a stirring inside your spirit to want to really know Jesus, to be willing to, to, to follow him, to surrender your all and follow him? If that's you this morning, let me see your hand. Just let me see your hand. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. The rest is for us who have been serving. Huh? Those who have been serving in the kingdom. Have you taken your salvation for granted? Have you, have you rendered yourself unto the Lord as he described it this morning in his word? Have you surrendered it all? In light of this message, do you feel or want to recommit your allegiance to Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up. I felt the conviction last week. We closed in prayer, and there were about five hands that went up, and we closed. And I prayed for a few people. But if I could just render a few minutes and pray with you one-on-one. -on -one. I want to welcome you. These altars are open. Sometimes it just takes an opportunity to come before the Lord and say, Father, I'm willing to take a step forward toward you. We often view this as the river. If you'd like to recommit yourself, if you, if, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart and say, man, I recognize that there is a cost of discipleship I never considered. And after giving it the consideration, I want to make and state my claim to follow Jesus. Here's an opportunity. He says, Confess me before men and I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men. That kind of like went a little bit off. I'm, I'm like really was kind of going in, but I felt like I was. <laughs> Would you like prayer this morning? I saw a few hands go up. It's not obligatory, but if you would like to receive prayer this morning, I'd like to have that opportunity and, and, and provide the one-on-one -on -one ministry um, before we close this service. As people come up, um, just stay in, a, in, 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 in an attitude of prayer. As we're praying, amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for 